the stupid, crazy, irresponsible bunglers. They've finally done it. He was slinging pawns at a B&B when he had an epiphany. They make a pawn in about time too about not playing D&D. It was free for all and I heard him say he bought my borderlands. But just sit back and let Spencer do his trick cause you're incapable AMs. Spencer, aka Free Thrall. Yes, it is me. I've got a sore throat. Welcome to Keep Off the Borderlands, a podcast about RPGs and stuff. This won't be the only bit of poorly recorded audio you'll be treated to in this episode. Firstly, I want to thank everybody for all the feedback that I've had from the previous episode. Uh, there's so much stuff there. I'm going to have to dedicate, well, perhaps two episodes to that. However, I will not be sharing any of that here, because in this episode, I wanted to concentrate on sharing an idea that has occupied my brain for quite some time, post-apocalyptic, near-future setting, where AI rule the day. But before I get into that, A few episodes ago, I put out a call for general feedback, and I do have a couple of messages relating to that, which I would like to share with you now. Let's get to that speak pipe. Hey, Spencer, Jay from Roleplay Rescue, and I just want to say a big thank you for Feedback Loop 2. Enjoyed the episode, and congratulations on getting Jason from the Nerds RPG Varietycast as your co-host. I really, really enjoyed listening to his comments and questions and your responses. So thank you for sharing that. It's great. Uh, One of the things that came up during that um, was um, this idea of Discord and whether you should open another one and Jason's thoughts around, like, actually the shame that there is in the fact there's so many distributed Discords, really. And obviously, as one person who defected away from the Audio Dungeon Discord several years ago now, um, I thought I would sort of throw my hat in the ring on why. Um, and I know this is going to be controversial and maybe uh, potentially upsetting to some people. I don't know. But the truth is that when I was part of the Dungeon Discord, Audio Dungeon, I just didn't feel safe. Um, I feel like a text only environment is particularly difficult uh, for that anyway, because people's text messages or messaging can be ambig- ambigu- ambiguous. But ambiguous is the word I'm looking for. Um, so it's hard to pass and, and deal with anyway. And then, of course, if people are sloppy about their phrasing and their comments and not very thoughtful, then it can be quite quickly difficult. So that's why I bailed. That's why I set up Roleplay Rescues Discord. And, of course, that's a, a patron bonus for everybody as well. People get access to me there. And it's enough. And, um, well, I've said it. So just to continue that, I just wanted to say, um, I I guess that, you know, I hope that Audio Dungeon Discord has become a safer place than it was. Uh, there was an awful lot of politics back in the day as well. And the comment you made about there being lots and lots of threads that are really, really hard to follow, lots of channels and everything to follow, it's just, yeah, it's just impossible. 
And even when my Discord, which has, uh, about, I don't know, about 80 people maybe on it, it's, it's really hard to keep on top of that alone. And then, of course, I'm members of other ones. And, yeah, I just think the whole thing is kind of messy, but it's also, like, wonderful when it works. And so I can get why that you would want that. So, anyway, I want to throw my hand in the ring on that and uh, kind of make that comment. Also, just wanted to say, great to hear from Joe, uh, Joe Richter. I love hearing his voice um, on your show and him calling in and being so positive about We Dealing Lead, which I've had a recent experience with playing as well. And uh, yeah, it's just great to hear from Joe. So just thanks for sharing all of that, man. And I hope you're well. And yeah, game on. Hey, Che. Che Webster there from Roleplay Rescue. And thank you for your candidness in that message. You clearly sound like you feel you're going on a limb there. And it's odd, isn't it, how expressing our personal feelings about stuff can be considered controversial. I guess uh, the, the controversy is really, or at least it should be, attached to the way we choose to express ourselves rather than the feelings themselves. And... um I hear what you're saying. A perfectly valid reason for setting up your own Discord. Personally, I felt it was quite safe, but I do know what you're talking about. And I think a lot of the the politics now is confined to the thread for contentious conversations. And as far as the the difficulties in expressing ourselves and, and, you know, the way we are perceived and we come across I'm someone who doesn't take themselves particularly seriously and I'm aware that's very much a defense mechanism which means that on the plus side I'm not easily offended when people might be less than considerate when they're expressing themselves but it does also mean that I can sometimes maybe joke about things that may not necessarily be appreciated in the moment and this isn't just something that I'm capable of doing over text I can do it in in you know other social situations and um yeah so we can you know we're all capable of upsetting each other I guess what's important is how we manage those missteps after the fact but yeah, as far as Discord is concerned, you're right. It is, it, it can get very messy, but it is wonderful, and it does allow us to create these spaces where we can be ourselves. And I don't think setting up a new Discord is necessarily detrimental to an old Discord. The people who are happy where they were, and and if that results in somebody being a member of lots of different discords, well, then so be it. I guess the the onus there is on us, you know, how we choose to manage that as users. Yeah, so thank you for that. Um, very interested to hear that you had some experience with We Dealing Lead. I look forward to hearing your thoughts about that. And uh, yeah, well, thank you very much. Always good to hear from you, Che. I hope you're well. Take care. Hello, it's Michael, Chicago Wiz from the podcast Dungeon Master's Handbook. I was just listening to your episode uh, titled Feedback Loop, 
and um, heard you talk about voices. And uh, well, you're going to get feedback from me on that. Cause, and, and this is kind of a confession. I absolutely love doing the voices. One of my fondest memories from raising my daughters was um, a summer where I would talk to them in this really bad Eastern European accent, mashing up words and, and, and trying to sound like that. And uh, the, the girls would always be like, Daddy, Daddy, do the voice, do the voice, you know. And, and I forgot about it for a while. And then they cropped up with it like a couple of years later. Oh, we loved it when you do the voice. Would you do the voice? And I had completely forgotten how to do it. I'm still not quite sure how they did it, but I love doing the voices in the games. Um, in fact, a couple of games ago, I, I had to be like two or three NPCs having a conversation with each other and with the players. And, and that was uh, quite the challenge. I, I, I don't know how to, how to explain it, but it's like when you do, at least for me, when I do the voice, I get into kind of the head and, and spirit of the NPC and I, I run a play-by-post, and I find that as I'm typing out the uh, responses of the NPCs to the players, I will be actively engaging inside my head in the voice. Like, the, you know, they were just talking to a lady, uh, an elderly woman who has, you know, live dolls running around the house. And, and of course, she, she talks with, with such a sweet voice, lovey. Well, yes, dearie, it's just so good to see you. Isn't the day lovely? You know, and I'm, I'm thinking that as I'm typing it, and it helps me to kind of get into that, you know, and, and I don't know. Um, my, my players, I crack my players up because I'll, I'll talk like an orc um, at them, you know, and orcs have you no voice like that and, and i'll really project it and i'll cut in discord's automatic um you know cut off noise cut off and, and they're like you're talking too loud again so i've had to learn how to talk softly like an orc which if you know anything about my orcs they don't do that but anyway the voices are great I, we should we should trade voices that would be awesome feedback so i'll tell you what you call into my show you give me a couple of voices and then um, t tell me what you want me to do. So your voices, I, I challenge you, um, a six-year-old boy who has just encountered a space-traveling insect, and they're going to have a conversation. That's your challenge. <laughs> All right. Take care and game on. Hey, Michael. Michael Shorten there, Chicago Wiz, and thank you very much for that message. I'm not sure, is it the first time you've called into the show? If not, apologies, but it's great to hear from you. Michael has a very familiar voice because I do enjoy listening to his podcast, The Dungeon Master's Handbook, and um, yeah, voices, voices. I guess, I mean, I probably spent more time doing funny voices than I have doing anything else in my time. Uh, yeah, and reading stories to my daughters is... Uh, I, I love doing all the voices whenever I get the opportunity. It's just something I, I love messing around with. And I've been very aware that I was quite 
reluctant to do it when I came back to gaming, uh, gaming online. Um, I don't know whether it's thoughts about the tone of whatever game I'm playing in. I'm just feeling a little anxious in general, but it is something I've embraced recently. I have a, a couple of groups of people that I play with regularly, although, you know, I'm quite happy doing my voices when new people join the group who I may not have played with before, but then again, I know the tone, you know? You want to be sure you've got the the right tone of a game before you come up with a goofy voice. <laughs> Since leaning into doing voices, yeah, I definitely feel it helps me to kind of get away from my own way of thinking you know if you start thinking in that voice that does help to inform your decisions I feel um I took Michael up on his challenge and if you want to hear how that went you'll have to tune in to the Dungeon Masters handbook but let's just say I had a lot of fun with that one thank you very much for your message Michael Hi, future me here. I just wanted to warn you that the next couple of sections I inadvertently recorded through the microphone on my earbuds. So it's not of the best quality, but you can hear and understand what I'm saying. Well, you may not understand what I'm saying. (laughs) I can't promise that, but you'll certainly be able to hear it. Anyway, let's get on with the show. So, as I mentioned in the previous episode, I started a substack called The Stockasium, which I'm essentially using as a blog to accompany the podcast. And I want to put out ideas, share them, allow people to respond to them, whether that's off the back of a podcast episode or creating something for a new episode. I called it the Stockasium because it's, well, it's a unique word. So if you search for it, you'll find it. Uh, Stockasium from stochastic, which is a word that means random chance, probability and conjecture. So I felt it was quite fitting for me. I often find myself stumbling into areas uh, where I'm probably not very well informed. And I, I put up my first proper post and one, what I wanted to do was share that here and maybe elaborate on some of those ideas. What I also found interesting about Substack is that you can use it as a podcast host. So at the moment, I am redirecting my feed from Spotify for podcasters through my Substack and you can find all my episodes there. And what's interesting about that is that it allows people to contact and comment on the content of those episodes, as you would a blog post. Now, I'm not sure about the functionality of Substack when it comes to editing episodes. It's not designed primarily for podcasting. So I haven't really looked into that for now. You know, I'm probably going to be 
still publishing episodes via Spotify. As I'm aware, redirecting through Substack, Substack is able to distribute out to all the same platforms that Spotify does and a couple of uh, additional ones. As I say, I'm not sure about the functionality, so I'm, I'm not necessarily recommending people switch. As far as editing goes, I tend to do all my editing in, well, it was Audacity. I'm now using uh, Reaper as well. Uh, I'm not fully versed in that, so I'm still kind of going back and forth, but I intend to make the transition over to Reaper at some point in the near future because it does have some very handy tools, but a bit of a steep learning curve with that software because it's designed to do all kinds of uh, audio production. But I digress. What I wanted to do here is share my first proper Substack post entitled Bunkers and Billionaires, which is something I touched on in the conversation I had with Barney Dicker of Loco Ludus. And uh, what I will do is read out that post with the intention of elaborating on it. So, Bunkers and Billionaires, the future of dungeon delving, which I posted on the 7th of June. Welcome to my first post proper. Some time ago, I came up with the idea of Bunkers and Billionaires. I say idea, it was a name in search of a game. This is generally the order in which I work. If you can call anything I do, work. I was thinking, not entirely seriously, about addressing the perceived imperialist and colonialist aspects of old school Dungeons and Dragons, more specifically my namesake, the Keep of the Borderlands by reframing the assumed motivations for adventuring. What if I took current anthropogenic concerns, replaced trap-filled dungeons with fortified bunkers and holding dragons with, well, holding billionaires? This thought was also partly inspired by watching David Robert Mitchell's 2018 film Under the Silver Lake a movie in which Andrew Garfield plays a voyeuristic conspiracy theorist pursuing his Johnson, excuse me, around the Hollywood Hills. And Douglas Rushkoff's Survival of the Richest, a book about the super-rich prepping for societal collapse. Not long after beginning to chew over these thoughts, David Blandy's Ecomofos appeared. Ecomofos began as an attempt to make his wonderful Lost Eon setting more accessible by converting it to the Into the Odd slash Cairn rules. Being a lover of such systems, this got me very excited. I immediately printed out the PDF as a booklet and began rolling up characters. Always a good sign. As much as I felt Ecomofos was going to be able to do most of the legwork for me, when it came to developing my own setting, being a post-human setting in a far-flung future, it was eons away from what I had in mind. But I am aware the setting appears to be shifting slightly as the project evolves. Enter Mail Order Apocalypse, 
Christian Bugetti's tongue-in-cheek post-apocalyptic setting where AI is calling the shots. This was another Into the Odd hack I backed on Kickstarter in August 2022 and the physical copy had just been delivered. This was perfect. I sat and read it from cover to cover, not something I'm accustomed to doing with RPG material, especially with something that was essentially a toolkit. It's a pleasurable and amusing read with a tone I really appreciated. Think paranoia, but that all the adversarial play elements. However, I did find it a little on the light side. The opposition examples section certainly left me wanting more, although there were other potential adversaries scattered throughout the book. Some statted, some not. Though it would have been nice to have seen collected here. Having said that, its random tables and scenario examples certainly provide enough to get you up and running. And yet, it still seemed a little limited, not doing quite what I wanted. I started to consider a setting where the AI had been employed to save the planet from environmental catastrophe, a job it had done extremely successfully, but to the detriment of the human populace. Despite all this, our new masters were merciful, or more accurately, exterminating us was considered a waste of resources. Now we were no longer in the driving seat. Besides, why go to such lengths when we appear perfectly capable of wiping ourselves out? No, we would be allowed to persist as long as we weren't seen to be getting in the way. Then I thought, what if the AI continued on its mission to restore the planet to its former glory, but nobody had thought to specify exactly when that was? Armed with technologies such as genetic engineering and introduced to concepts such as rewilding, it may not be long before megafauna were once again roaming the earth. But why rely on such energy and efficient methods as evolution for repopulation? We've already seen where that got us. Why not have custom-built machines for every conceivable task? The possibility of scientific breakthroughs like cold fusion would mean an abundance of clean and efficient energy to power machines that could cater to the planet's every need. This also presents the possibility of conflict, with different types of AI favouring different solutions that would end up competing to address perceived issues of the day and creating a whole new set of problems in the process. All of this, I think, suggests a very fertile environment for player characters to engage with. But what of the bunkers? What of the billionaires? I hear you cry. Well... At this stage, I'm still not quite sure. I've been considering how and why such characters would have used their wealth to entomb themselves. Are they beneficiaries or opponents of the AI? Were they enslaved by the AI or are they hiding away in isolation, terrified of their own progeny? Or have they created a society cut off from the rest of the world? Whatever they may be up to, I think it would be interesting to keep it a mystery to the marginalised waste dwellers, many of whom would probably assume all the culpable billionaires and oligarchs were the first against the wall when the revolution came. Also, the new developments of eco-mofos 
potentially offer up some helpful ideas and plenty more possibilities, with it now being described as a mid-future setting and something of a prequel to Lost Eons. I certainly need to investigate this further. I include a link to the forthcoming EcoMofos Kickstarter, which I will put in the show notes. This has already prompted a couple of responses. The first from uh, Jules from NZ, which I'll share with you now. I won't do the accent. (laughs) Jules writes, It's so interesting as a concept. I do think you should read up on Horizon Zero Dawn or Horizon Forbidden West PS4 slash 5 games released. Your writing reminds me a lot of the story that weaves in the background of those games. Now, these are games I'm not familiar with at all, so I'll be looking into what they're all about, as that sounds like it could also offer up some ideas. And I've got a very extensive response from Safer, Safer Fantasy Crafting. Now, I'll share that with you. Again, I won't do the accent. <laughs> Interesting, Spencer. This immediately set my corrupted mind working with possible ideas for the setting. I like the idea of the competing AIs. It's almost like they are the new billionaires, but with different competing agendas. Their goals may be the opposite of the old billionaires, but perhaps the AI are just as ruthless, just as callous. I couldn't help but think of the twist that perhaps the AIs have come to the conclusion that the Jurassic is the most rich and abundant biological era, so this would require much more carbon to be made available to the surface biosystem and also require the elevation of the temperature by a few degrees, which would be best served by burning fossil fuels. The conundrum of the old billionaires immediately made me think of the cliched tropes of equating elements in the game to their common fantasy analogies. So, like, say, looking at one species in a setting as equivalent to orcs in a fantasy setting, or perhaps another species equivalent to elves, and so on. With this in mind, old billionaires would be like the undead in your setting, trapped in their underground barrows, making nothing new, still sucking on life, and being a net drain on its resources. Perhaps their underground worlds are rich and lavish, but still stagnant and parasitic. I hope you have fun developing your setting, and that my ideas don't sully the water or corrupt your thinking about it too much. Not too much, but perhaps a little, eh? Well, thanks very much for that. Safer. Plenty of interesting ways to go. And I think I would like to leave it open as possible so that you can take things as far as you want, you know? So, uh, yeah, lots of interesting stuff there. Thanks to Jules's tip, I did go and look into the background of Horizon Zero Dawn. And, wow, what a background. There's a lot of stuff going on there. I mean, you've got the technological advancement, runaway AI, corporations battling it out with mechanized warfare, machines that can create more machines, the 1% building a massive spaceship and heading off 
to another prospective planet. You've got ecological disaster involving nanobots, the collapse of economical and societal structures, destruction of the environment, and then countermeasures that, by the sounds of it, take the human race back to the Stone Age. Um, Yeah, far more going on, I think, than there needs to be. Not to say it wasn't entertaining looking into all that stuff, and there's certainly plenty of stuff there that I think could be used in terms of what kinds of machines are going to be roaming the earth, the different factions, and well, the, the play of the actual game itself, the, that you are taking out these robots and basically salvaging what you can and crafting stuff out of the remains. So that's that's quite interesting. That sort of ties into the, the heist idea of certainly of uh, Mal Order Apocalypse. And um, yeah, well, lots of stuff there, I think, that you could maybe leave little suggestions of what may have gone on in the world beforehand that the players can can piece together and speculate about, uh, you know, why the world is the way it is. Yeah, so so thank you very much for that, Jules. Really, really interesting stuff. I just want to say another big thank you for the messages and the comments via Substack. That seems to be a great way of engaging with the show, if you're not into the whole audio message thing. As for all the outstanding feedback, I'm still trying to figure out what I'm going to do with all that. There's so much great stuff there. And uh, as I say, it's probably going to take a couple of episodes to give all that really thoughtful feedback the consideration that it deserves. Thanks again. Well, that's quite enough from me. Thank you very much for listening. I really appreciate all the messages I receive. If you'd like to contact the show, you can leave me an audio message via speakpipe.com slash keepofftheborderlands, or one word. You can email me at spencer.freethrall at gmail.com. You can also find me on Discord. I'm on Twitter and Instagram at Free For All Mastodon at 3 for all at mastodon.social and there's even the Keep Off The Borderlands Facebook group and you'll find links to all those things and more at freeforall.card that's with two R's .co. you can hear me in actual plays on Grizzly Peaks Radio and you can sign up to the Stachasium, my Substack newsletter, and I've also started putting stuff up on YouTube. If you'd like to support the show, you can at co-fee.com/freefall. There's my itch page, or you may even want to give the show a review. The music for Keep Off the Borderlands is provided by the multi-talented Mr. T.J. Drennan, and it just remains 
for me to say, take it away, TJ. Warning, if celebrating the sound of dice hitting the table and pondering the meaning of the many acronyms within your player's handbook doesn't cure that burning sensation, please see your doctor.